Sunday night football. Jackson takes it himself. Look at him turn back and forth. Oh! He broke his ankles. Now he's got an entourage. And he's lost. Mills got a trace. And there is your dagger. It's NFL Picks. It's Gabe here. NFL Picks with Gabe Week 9 and everything burrito production. We're so happy to have you with us. Now, last week, we had a tough week. Uh, a lot of people had tough weeks last week. How'd we do? Uh, no, we did bad. We're we're not going to sit here and gloss this over and say that it wasn't a bad week. Other people had bad weeks. That's fine. But we had a bad week last week. We went 6-8 and eight straight up, 5-9 and nine against the spread. Now, that means that for the year, we're still 71-30-1 straight up. And we're still 53 and 49 against the spread. So we still had a winning record for the year, whatever. But you know what? Uh, we got to have confidence in our picks. We got to keep rolling ahead. We got to keep doing what we do. It's NFL Picks with Gabe Week 9. Let's talk our picks. Let's not waste any time worrying about last week. Let's concentrate on getting the picks right this week. So that brings us to our first game. We're looking at Denver at Atlanta. Now, the Broncos had an interesting week last week. They looked like they were going to get buried by the Chargers, and then they came storming back to win that game. Drew Locke looked a little lost, and he's looked lost at many points during his career, and yet all of a sudden he flipped a switch, and he looked like Captain Comeback. He looked like uh, John Elway out there for Denver. And Locke is a quarterback that I still don't have a firm direction on. Is he the guy with the Broncos or is he just a guy? But in this matchup, it's interesting. Atlanta is favored by three and a half points. Atlanta is favored by three and a half points, despite the fact that Atlanta's had an incredibly inconsistent season. Now, they've looked better in recent weeks because why? Julio Jones has been healthy. And Julio Jones is going to be healthy for this matchup against the Broncos. So you might be thinking, well, sure, so they'll be looking good. And yet, uh, the Falcons are very reliant upon their wide receivers. Not just Julio Jones, but Calvin Ridley as well. Ridley is likely going to miss this game. So if Ridley's out against a very stingy Denver stop unit. Now, now I say that understanding that they gave up a few points to the Chargers last week. And before that, they gave up quite a few points to the Kansas City Chiefs. But those two teams are exceptions. Justin Herbert's on a huge roll for the Chargers. And, you know, pretty much I'm going to give any defense a pass when we're talking about Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. So, with that said, uh, when facing, let's say, normal competition, the Denver defense has been lights out. And they've done that even though they've sustained many injuries on the year. This this team has had a next-man-up kind of philosophy, and they've played extremely well uh, this year defensively. So Atlanta, they've disappointed uh, constantly, and finally looking to kind of rebound a little bit. They've done all right, but I really don't have confidence in Atlanta. And one of the things I really don't have confidence in, as far as the Falcons are concerned, is their pass rush. It's not there. They really don't have pass rush. Now, I understand Tack McKinley and Dante Fowler are supposed to get after the quarterback, but here's the reality, people. They just don't, and that leaves the secondary in a really vulnerable position, and I think Drew Locke can get it done this week against the Falcons. 
Falcons come in here three and a half point favorites according to ESPN's pigskin pick'em. I am definitely siding with the Denver Broncos on this one. In fact, I'm going to say Broncos 21, Falcons 20. So I, I'm predicting the Denver Broncos to be the straight up winner in this one. And they're my pick against the spread. Let's talk about Seattle at Buffalo. Seattle, this entire year has been about Russell Wilson. And you can quibble all you want. Maybe he's thrown a few interceptions. Maybe he's had games where he hasn't always put on the cape at every opportunity. But let's say this. Russell Wilson has pretty much undisputably been the MVP of this season. And he has played remarkable, even on on times where DK Metcalf has been shadowed by some of the league's best defenders. Russell Wilson has found a way to get him the ball pretty much every week, um, or he's just blown up in Tyler Lockett's general direction. And you're seeing a guy that can just single-handedly power an offense. The Bills' defense is overrated. Um, they The Bills' defense looked really good against the Jets, and they looked pretty good against the Patriots. The Patriots and the Jets have no offensive weapons, so of course they did. Uh, against Seattle, this is a different story. I like this Bills team, but they've faded. They're not the team that they were in the first four or five weeks of the season. This is a different team now. So you're looking at a Seattle team that has built some momentum, and their momentum is going to continue to build. Why? Because Jamal Adams is coming back. That is a huge deal for Seattle. Jamal Adams is the type of player who flips the field. He is the defensive equivalent of Russell Wilson. So you have your defensive player of the year candidate kind of player in Jamal Adams coming back likely this week. Going up against uh, Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. And Allen has struggled in recent weeks. You know, he was an early MVP candidate. He certainly has not looked like that in recent times. And Devin Singletary hasn't looked that great on the ground. And Zach Moss has added a little bit of juice to that running game. But overall, you've seen this team kind of fade back a little bit. You've seen the Bills in general fade back a little bit. Whereas Seattle continues to surge. And I'll grant you, Seattle plays a lot of close games. So that may be one reason why you could be concerned here. The ESPN pigskin pick'em line is Seattle by two and a half. And I'm going to say that's a comfortable number to take because I could see this game being close. But I am definitely taking Seattle to win. And I think Seattle's offense is going to put up a lot of points. That's just what they do. Uh, you're Seattle. You got Russell Wilson. He's going to run all over you. He's going to throw these moonshots down the field to DK Metcalf. And I get the Bills have Tredavious White. It's not going to make a huge difference because Stefan Gilmore wasn't able to shut down DK Metcalf. People, you just, you're not going to shut this team down. Um, so Seattle's going to get their points. Seattle 36, Buffalo 28. I think maybe this is a good get right game for Josh Allen and the Bills offense. And at the same time, even if it is, I don't think that they can keep pace with this Seattle team. I think they're going to be in for a long day. Next game, Chicago at Tennessee. This is an intriguing mashup. Um, Chicago is a team that keeps games close. Uh, Their defense has played really, really well this year. And 
you know, Khalil Mack and that whole team, they're, they're really solid defensively. Roquan Smith is coming into his own. Um, you know, Akeem Hicks is healthy. That's huge. So Chicago's defense has really played well. And I, I, I give a lot of credit to them for, for keeping this team competitive. Robert Quinn has fit in with their scheme better than I anticipated. So Chicago's played well. Uh, the adjustment to Nick Foles from Mitchell Trubisky, um, I, I don't know, Foles isn't great or anything, and their offense has looked really bad at times, uh, but at the same time, they, they seem to really be good at keeping games close. And that's the thing about the Bears. They keep games close. It doesn't mean that they're going to win games. It means that they're going to stay in the game. Tennessee. Uh, this Tennessee team has been a little inconsistent um, they're not blowing anybody out of the water. They tend to play fairly close games as well. And for the most part, uh, yeah, they're just not going to blow anybody out. Corey Davis really went off last week. That's a good sign for Ryan Tannehill and the Tennessee Titans. If you listen to this podcast, you know I'm a huge fan of A.J. Brown. Uh, I really like what Derrick Henry does. But with all of that said, they're dealing with some offensive line issues. A team you don't want to be facing if you're dealing with offensive line issues, is the Chicago Bears because the Bears will get after the quarterback. That's what they do. And you have some really athletic linebackers led by Roquan Smith and Danny Trevathan who are going to make running the ball hard. Now, running the ball hard, not impossible. And when you have King Henry, when Derrick Henry is your running back, you're still going to get some yards. You're still going to put up some points. And I think Tannehill, even under pressure he has some targets that he can put up the ball to and they're going to make a play, right? A.J. Brown is going to make a play here and there. Corey Davis is starting to be that kind of guy who will make plays for you here and there. But that said, again, Tennessee doesn't blow people out. The Bears don't get blown out. So what this is adding up to me is this game is going to be close. That means it could go either way. Now, I really think the Titans have a better overall team even with the offensive line issues. And especially so because they added Desmond King, uh, a nice cornerback uh, to their defense. Their defense has struggled to make plays, okay? In Tennessee, it has. And yet, uh, really, that's not a major issue against this Bears team. It's fairly flat offensively, but Nick Foles will keep it close. That's what he does. So we're taking the Titans to win this one. That, that's an easy thing to come up with. We're taking the Titans to win it. Uh, but the Bears are going to keep this one really close. So let's go Tennessee 23, Chicago 20. Uh, Chicago in this one is five and a half point underdogs. So we're going to take them to cover that spread. Chicago covers the spread. Tennessee gets the win straight up. So let's talk a little NFC North. Detroit at Minnesota is the matchup that we're talking about. Um, this matchup looked a lot closer before we heard news that Matthew Stafford has been placed on the COVID-19 exempt list. So we don't know where he's at with that. Is he going to play? Probably not. We don't know if he's COVID positive. We don't know if he's in quarantine because he's been exposed to somebody that's COVID positive. In any event, we have to call this game as though, uh, Stafford is not going to play. Well, that's a huge blow to the Lions because Stafford is pretty underrated. He he is one of the top quarterbacks in the league. You know, he's in the top half of the league as far as quarterbacks are concerned. He's very good. 
And he is so good when he has uh, Kenny Galladay at his disposal. But this is a game that the Lions are going to play likely without Kenny Galladay and likely without Matthew Stafford. So Stafford's out. Who jumps in? It's Chase Daniel. Chase Daniel is a veteran quarterback. He's solid. He's really not going to lose you games for the most part, but he's not spectacular in any way. He'll run your offense, but he's he's just not going to be a playmaker from the quarterback position. And the Lions need a playmaker from the quarterback position because they don't get those plays anywhere else. They have DeAndre Swift. They don't really use him a ton. Uh, he's a playmaker. They have Marvin Jones out on the edge, but you know, you need a quarterback that can get him the ball deep. So in this one, uh, that's a huge detriment to the Lions. They face off against a Minnesota team that just pulled off a win against the Green Bay Packers. And they did that by using Dalvin Cook on the ground. Cook is an extremely athletic player. He's a guy that can score from anywhere on the field. He can be used in the passing game. He can be used in the running game. And the Vikings have something really special on offense with Dalvin Cook in the backfield, Adam Thielen on one side, and Justin Jefferson on the other side. That's a really spectacular offense. And their defense honestly played quite well, even without Yannick Ngakwe last week against the Packers. So I like the Vikings in this spot. Now, I'm I'm not saying the Vikings are going to go anywhere as far as playoffs or anything like that goes. Um, because they don't have a good quarterback. Kirk Cousins is not a good quarterback, but he's good enough to beat the Detroit Lions on a normal week. And especially so when Matthew Stafford is out of the lineup and you're you're trying to beat Chase Daniel. So in this one, uh, the pigskin line was at uh, Minnesota by three and a half. Uh, at this point, that probably would have been changed. Vegas has probably changed that line. Uh, to to quite inflated in the Vikings' favor if there is a line for this game. I don't know. But in any event, we're definitely taking the Vikings to win this one quite easily because Detroit does not have a good defense, and now basically their only hope was to, to keep pace with the Vikings. You're just not going to see that with Chase Daniel in at quarterback. And the Vikings, you know, still a solid defense led by Harrison Smith and Eric Kendricks and Anthony Harris. So you're not going to see... Uh, this Detroit team really put up a fight. I'm going to go Minnesota 31, Detroit 16. Uh, Baltimore at Indianapolis. Uh, The Ravens last week lost left tackle Ronnie Stanley. That is a huge blow. That is what this Ravens team is built around. Many people look at the Ravens and they see Lamar Jackson and they think automatic offense. Well, Lamar Jackson's a great player. He's excellent. I'm not trying to take anything away from Lamar Jackson. And yet, Lamar Jackson is built from the ground game that, that's in front of him based on his big offensive lineman. He's got Orlando Brown in there. He's got Ronnie Stanley. He's got Bradley Bozeman. He's got these great offensive linemen ahead of him. And that helps him to be so productive because when he drops back to pass, he doesn't have to worry about a rush. And when he wants to run the ball, he's got these huge gaps to run through. So the Ravens uh, last week against the Steelers, uh, they were up for a little bit and then they lost that after Stanley was, was dropped with an injury. And I think that is going to be a huge factor moving ahead, especially when we're talking about him competing against good defenses. 
And this week he goes up against the Colts. And the Colts have a very good defense. DeForest Buckner, uh, Darius Leonard, one of the best young defensive uh, players in the league, uh, a great young linebacker, and Xavier Rhodes having a career year at the corner position. So you're looking at an Indianapolis team who's capable of taking advantage uh, of of this this spot on the edge where they can exploit this left tackle position, Justin Houston getting some pressure, things like that. So you're going to see that. Uh, on the other side of the ball, the, the Baltimore Ravens are very good. Uh, especially they're good at, at shutting down opposing receivers with Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey, and their secondary is very good. They just added Yannick Ngakwe, which we've mentioned. Uh, Calais Campbell is in there. Patrick Queen, a very good sideline-to-sideline type of linebacker. So they've got a good squad. The Colts are very talented as well offensively. The one thing that holds the Colts back is that Phillip Rivers is a streaky passer. At this point in his career, he's streaky, but... He is very good at dumping the ball off to his tight ends and his backs. And he's got Naheem Hines and Jonathan Taylor has played very well this year. And that Colts offensive line is awesome. So you've got that to deal with if you're the Ravens trying to put pressure on Phillip Rivers. Rivers does a good job of getting rid of the ball quickly. And I just think in this one, the Colts match up well with the Ravens. And I think that injury to Ronnie Stanley looms very large. So I think you're going to see the Colts keep this much closer than what's anticipated. Uh, A lot of people are looking for the Ravens to have a big bounce back win here. And I think they'll win too. I I really do. Um, They're favored by two and a half and I think they'll win, but I think this one's going to be very tight. So I'm calling for the Ravens to win this one 26 to 24 over the Colts. And So that means the Ravens get the straight-up win and the Colts cover that very narrow spread. We'll see how it goes. Carolina at Kansas City. You know, I have been waiting and waiting for Christian McCaffrey to come back, and the time is finally here for Christian McCaffrey to come back. I really like this Carolina team. I really like what Matt Rule has done with this team. Uh, I'm a big fan of Teddy Bridgewater. I like the way that they're constructed. I like the way they're being ran. And they've been surprisingly competitive this year uh, with Bridgewater and even with um, Christian McCaffrey out. Mike Davis has filled in really, really well. Um, The unfortunate part about this is this week, Carolina going to Arrowhead. So how's that going to work out? That's not going to work out well for anybody. Because Patrick Mahomes is phenomenal. And there's just no two ways about this. There's no way to shut down Kansas City. And Carolina doesn't have any horses to do so. They, They really are very depleted on defense. The strength of Carolina's team right now is their offense, which is fine. But the problem here being they're going to provide very little resistance to Kansas City's offense. In an effortless way, Mahomes is able to toss, what, like five touchdown passes against the Jets? And I, I know you're thinking, like, that's the Jets. Um, really, Carolina's defense isn't that dissimilar to the Jets. So I expect to see a big week from Mahomes, Lev Bell, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, on and on and on, right? Nicole Hardman, whoever, Tyreek Hill, doesn't matter who he's throwing the ball to. Mahomes is going to have sure success here. At this point, it really doesn't matter who Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense is going up against. Uh, I think that they're going to get 
some 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 points on the board, and their defense has played quite well. They have really really kept oppo- opponents uh, kind of struggling to keep up, and so while I think Carolina could could get some points here, um, I expect to have you know some contributions from Christian McCaffrey. I'm excited to see him on the field. As a football fan, I'm excited to see Christian McCaffrey play again. He's thrilling to watch. Um, and because Carolina's, let's face it, they're probably going to be down quite a bit. We're going to see a lot of McCaffrey in the receiving game. Probably. I don't know. Maybe Matt rule will kind of bring him along slowly. Maybe he won't use him that much. I'm just saying, I think the Panthers between those nice outside receivers and even Curtis Samuel in the slot and such, I I can see them, you know, putting up a few points, but Kansas city is going to put up a ton. So we're going to go Kansas city, 37 Carolina, 26 Kansas City's favored in this one by 10 and a half. That's a lot of points to be favored over a team in Carolina who I think is solid. 10 and a half is a pretty big spread. But this is Kansas City. And this is Patrick Mahomes. I, I really, I don't feel good about taking anybody against Mahomes at this juncture right now. So right now, I, I'm taking Kansas City to win straight up, obviously. But I'm, I'm taking uh, that Chiefs offense. I'm taking the Chiefs to cover that 10 and a half point spread and, and kind of blow the Panthers out of the building. Um, it'll be an interesting game, uh, on that note. Um, New York giants at Washington football team. I'm a fan of this Washington football team. I love their young defensive line, you know, borderline obsessed with it. Uh, chase young, one of my favorite players to watch. This guy is a technician as a defensive end and he is lean, he is fast, he is strong, uh, you know, and he just knows how to use his hands. He knows how to use that first step. He's setting up power moves. He's setting up speed moves. Chase Young and that Washington football club defensive line is awesome. And normally you're going to say, well, yeah, and they're going up against the Giants who have one of the worst offensive lines in the league. But hold up a second. The Giants actually didn't look too bad against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Monday night. So what's up with that? Um, Daniel Jones didn't look too bad on Monday night. What's up with that? Well, you know what I'm going to say, and we'll talk about this other matchup later. I really think Tampa did not bring their full effort into that Giants game. And I think they were looking right past the Giants, and they were looking past the Giants to the Saints. And we'll get to that. But in the meantime, I'm looking at this game and I think you got to go not with the week by week trends of who were you last week, but more, how have you played this season? So if we're going to analyze it on that, the Giants offensive line, yeah, they played okay last week. Are they going to do the same thing against the Washington football team? Uh, Probably not because the Washington football team's defensive line has been world wreckers, destroyers. You know, they they have given up the fewest fantasy points to wide receivers. Why? Why? Washington, of all teams. Because, not because their defensive backs are that great, but because their defensive line leaves no time for opponents to throw. And they disrupt, and they force turnovers. And Daniel Jones is very turnover prone. And so you're going to see that. The last time these two teams met, Kyle Allen made some mistakes. Well, I trust Kyle Allen to shore those things up. The Giants' defense is by no means elite, 
And Washington has quite a few quality playmakers. Antonio Gibson, Terry McLaurin, uh, Logan Thomas is solid as a playmaker. They have some solid playmakers uh, that they need to take advantage of. And I think Kyle Allen, if he just plays a clean game and they just take care of business on offense, just to not turn the ball over, have some steady, solid drives, hand the ball off to Antonio Gibson, get the ball deep to McLaurin. Even though he's being covered by James Bradbury, I get that, but I assume that McLaurin will get his catches in this one. And I just think you're looking at a Giants offense that is probably going to shoot themselves in the foot. Uh, We've all seen the highlights of Daniel Jones falling on his face after his 80-yard run. Here's the thing. That's pretty typical of the Giants. That That's the Giants in microcosm right there. Uh, in essence, uh, they can run the ball up and down the field, but they will shoot themselves in the foot. And especially against this Washington football team with this nasty, crazy defensive line that will mess you up. So Washington's favored by three and a half. We're going to take Washington to win this one, 26 to 19 over the Giants for the straight-up victory and to cover the spread. Um, Houston at Jacksonville. That's our next game. The Texans are a strange team under Romeo Cornell. They've played better than they did under Bill O'Brien, uh, but they're still a 1-6 team, and they're taking on another 1-6 team. And it might seem crazy for one 1-6 team to be favored over another 1-6 team by 6.5 points, but... That's the situation we find ourselves in. So the question is why? Well, Gardner Minshew is injured in this one. So you're not going to see him suiting up at quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Instead, you'll see Jake Luton. Jake Luton is not a good NFL quarterback at this juncture. Maybe not ever. And Gardner Minshew is actually covering up a lot of flaws in Jacksonville. Now, I still think they've got a good running back there in James Robinson and DJ Chark is a quality receiver. Can Luton get him the ball? I doubt it. So I think you're going to see Houston get after the quarterback here. Whitney Merciless, J.J. Watt, a variety of, of other guys, Charles Omenihu and different ones. They're going to get after the quarterback. I trust that that will happen. And Jacksonville will be able to do very little offensively because Jake Luton is just not NFL caliber. Uh, for Houston, Deshaun Watson is rolling. And I know that seems weird to say for a team that has one win that their quarterback is rolling. Deshaun Watson has played very, very well. And if the Texans can create some clean pockets for him that he can just pick his spots and be ready to throw, I really believe that the Texans are probably going to coast to an easy victory in this one. Not because there's anything around uh, Deshaun Watson, his running game is putrid. David Johnson, the worst starting running back in the NFL. David Johnson. Um, oh, I got to think about that because Frank Gore is a starting running back. But you get what I'm saying. It, this is not a good team offensively. And yet, like, he'll find Brandon Cooks. He'll find Randall Cobb. He'll find Kenny Stills. Um, Deshaun Watson will get it done. He's a winner, and he's a guy who's been putting up nice-looking stat lines throughout uh, the losing that Houston has done this year. Going up against the Jacksonville team that really has nothing to play for, and they're starting, uh, like I said, a quarterback that's just not NFL caliber, very easily going to take Houston to win this one. And I'm going to say Houston 35, Jacksonville 13. So Houston wins that one straight up, and 
beats that six and a half point spread. The Los Angeles Chargers are taking on the Las Vegas Raiders. This Raiders team, I am having a difficult time figuring out this Raiders team. From week to week, uh, one week their their defense gets zero pressure. Then the next week they're beating the Chiefs, and then they're getting zero pressure, and then they're only allowing six points to the Cleveland Browns. I have no idea who this team is. It's so strange. So, yeah, last week, obviously, they played really well defensively. Their offense didn't look that great, but, hey, defensively, they look good. The Chargers, they're kind of the same team. Because Justin Herbert is playing outstanding football. He's playing unbelievable football, especially for a rookie. But really for anyone, Justin Herbert has looked really, really good. But it's not translating to victories. He keeps on finding a way to lose his team games. Uh, Meanwhile, Las Vegas seems to find ways to win games. I don't know. It's so bizarre. And yet just the, the disparity here between what I see defensively most of the season uh, in Las Vegas compared to what they they showed on Sunday. It's just like, I don't know what to expect. It's it's so difficult to predict that. And this really is, it's a flip the coin situation as far as this game goes. That's how I feel. I do think that the Chargers run defense is solid. So I think you'll see Josh Jacobs probably run into a little bit of a wall. Uh, Derek Carr has been playing well enough where you can rely on him to put up a few points. Justin Herbert, like I said, has been playing out of his mind. Mike Williams, he's on the same page as Justin Herbert. That's good. Keenan Allen, all those things. They've got good weapons uh, in Los Angeles. And I just think those weapons are going to be too much for this Raiders team to stop. That's what I'm basing this on. I'm just going to say the Los Angeles Chargers have too many weapons. Justin Herbert's playing too good not to put up Let's say uh, Chargers 27, Raiders 23. Uh, yep, we're calling the Chargers to, to win this one. They're they're favored by a point and a half. So we'll take them against the spread and we'll take them to win the game straight up. Uh, Pittsburgh at Dallas. Pittsburgh is a team that's undefeated. I don't think in most seasons that you would see them be undefeated, but this year they are. Um I don't, I don't think they're as good as their record is stating. That's what I'm saying. Uh, why do I say that? Well, I, I say that because they tend to win a lot of very close games um, is what I see from this team. Um, ben Roethlisberger is, is a decent quarterback, but he's not really a game changer. What he has around him is just tons and tons of weapons. Pick your poison. Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, on and on and on. Juju Smith-Schuster. All these guys. It's amazing, right? And defensively, they're a great team. Um, And they recently acquired Avery Williamson from the New York Jets. So, you know, plug and play him uh, for that vacated middle linebacker spot where Devin Bush was playing but got injured. And, you know, you really solve maybe one of your only weaknesses. Um, I think the Steelers very, very well, obviously, could be a a Super Bowl team. Um, so yeah, they're one of the top teams in the league and they're playing one of the worst teams in the league, the Dallas Cowboys. And a lot of people were worried like, oh, will Andy Dalton play in this one? Or is it going to be Danucci at quarterback? And it really doesn't matter. People like th- those two are pretty much interchangeable. Um, neither of them are good and neither of them are capable of getting the ball to Dallas's weapons. Dallas has good skill position players on offense. Um, no doubt about it, Gallup and, you know, <laughs> C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper, Ezekiel Elliott, these are good skill position players. 
But when you both of your tackles are injured, your entire offensive line is banged up, and you don't have a quarterback to get them the ball anyway, it's really not going to make that much difference. The Cowboys defense, you saw them be a little more resurgent. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, Trevon Diggs is coming into his own, things like that, and Leighton Vander Esk is back, and that's good. But really not enough to make a ton of difference in this game because their offense pretty much just cannot score. So in this one, Pittsburgh's favored by 10 and a half. And, you know, I feel fine about taking Pittsburgh to win this one, 28 to 10 over Dallas. Um, you know, thinking that Greg Danucci is going to put up 10 points is in, in Mike McCarthy's hackneyed system. That's kind of a stretch maybe anyway, but uh, Pittsburgh could very well shut out Dallas. Would not be surprised in the slightest to see that. And, you know, they're going to be, there's blood in the water for, for Pittsburgh. They can already uh, smell that. And they're going to be going after this team hard. And I just, I don't see a path where Dallas keeps this one remotely close. And this team, the, the Cowboys are just a mess. They need to fire McCarthy, but you know, they'll, they probably won't because they'll say, well, if Dak wasn't injured, you know what? This team is a mess beyond all of the injuries. They're still a mess. So uh, anyway, Pittsburgh 28, uh, Cowboys 10, uh, Pittsburgh to cover that 10 and a half point spread. Miami at Arizona. Uh, Arizona in this one, four and a half point favorites. Easy to see why. Uh, Kyler Murray is an excellent quarterback. He's played very, very well this year. Uh, Kenyon Drake is out of this matchup, but as with uh, pretty much everybody else, I, I I believe Chase Edmonds is actually an upgrade over Kenyon Drake. So no big deal that Drake is missing this one because Edmonds gets to take the carry. So good for him. Um, you know, receiver Christian Kirk and DeAndre Hopkins, the Cardinals are solid. And they bring a lot of blitzes, uh, you know, so that's good. They keep uh, offenses off balance a little bit. I think you'll see them really dial up some heavy blitz packages on Tua Tonga-Valoa. And Tua did not play exceptionally well in his debut against the Rams. Now, I don't know what you were expecting, but he did just enough to win. And in this one, I would think that you would probably see similar production from Tua. Um, Miles Gaskin, his running back is out. Um, you know, he's going to try to get the ball downfield to Devonte Parker, maybe get Gesicki involved a little more. Who knows? Um, Cardinals defense is nothing to really write home about, but I expect to see a solid performance from the Cardinals defense. Uh, Miami's defense is actually really, really good. And with that said, it's not like even with great corners like Byron Jones and Xavier Howard. We mention them like pretty much every week. Xavier Howard, uh, well on his way to be an all pro, probably will draw the assignment of DeAndre Hopkins. I just don't think they're going to slow them down to a ridiculous degree, but I expect to see Miami's underrated and scrappy defense keep this one nice and close. So let's go Arizona 24, Miami 21. Uh, Miami is four and a half point underdogs. So we're taking Miami to cover the four and a half point spread and Arizona to get the straight up victory. Uh, Kyler Murray piloting his team to victory once again. Um, here's another four and a half point spread. Tampa Bay uh, is favored by four and a half points over the Saints. The Saints have looked like, well, they're a really interesting team this year. Drew Brees continues to play very, very good regular season type football, and that's getting them by. He looked rough 
in stretches against the Bears, but he just cherry-picked his way uh, to a decent day. Uh, He just kept on finding Alvin Kamara. The saga with Michael Thomas continues. Is he injured? Is he fined? Is he suspended? Is he this? Is he that? I don't know. Is he ever coming back? I don't know. Is Emmanuel Sanders coming back from the COVID list? I mean, we don't know what's going on with the Saints team. The steadiness that Kamara provides has been huge, and the steadiness that Breeze has provided has been huge. And yet, here they are matched up against the Tampa defense, who I believe can really exploit Breeze. Now, do I think Breeze is going to have a horrible game? No. Uh, Chris Collinsworth was even pointing out the other night, Breeze really doesn't have bad games. Not, Not really, not truly bad games. But what happens with Breeze is, he's not able to push the ball far enough down the field to truly threaten a defense. And this Tampa defense is really, really good. They're capable of putting pressure on you in so many different ways uh, from their front four for sure, uh, even you know through the middle of the field, through uh, now it's Steve McClendon and Ndamukong Sue, but you know, you've got Devin White, one of the premier young linebackers out there along with Levante David, who you know, he brings pressure off the edge from time to time. And, you know, Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean uh, as corners. And you got these these young players in the secondary, Sean Murray, Murphy Bunting and Jordan Whitehead. And this team is really stacked defensively. So uh, they're playing really, really well there. And then the big story in Tampa, of course, is they're bringing in Antonio Brown. I don't know how much impact Antonio Brown will have, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him have a pretty big impact. Uh, Tampa's receivers are pretty nicked up, which they've been all year long. I don't know why Godwin and Evans cannot seem to get healthy, but it doesn't really matter because they've had little Scotty Miller coming through for him, and Brady has rediscovered his connection with Gronk, and that's been a beautiful thing to watch. And Brady has really been playing uh, quite well. Uh, Now, we saw last time that these two teams played, uh, Tampa got into a little bit of a hole, Brady was still trying to find his footing uh, in Tampa, and it got ugly at points. But this is a different Brady, and this is a different breeze than you saw in previous weeks. So what I'm looking at here is Brady against a solid stop unit with the Saints. It's true. And yet there's too many weapons to shut down, and Antonio Brown's probably going to go off. I, I don't see Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette in the run game really doing that well. But I can see Brady finding his spots against this team um, with his receiver, Scotty Miller and Antonio Brown and all these guys. On the other side of the ball, uh, it's not that I don't think Breeze is going to put up points. Sure, he'll put up a few. Uh, I just don't think he's going to be able to match the explosiveness that Tom Brady and the Tampa offense bring to the table. So with that said, we're going with Buccaneers 34, Saints 27. Tampa Bay, again, favored by four and a half in this one. So we have them winning straight up and beating the spread. Last game of the week, the Monday night game. The Patriots go to visit the New York Jets. So this Jets team has been just awful all year long. They have been truly abysmal all year long. And in fact, um, they've lost every game by at least eight points. This entire year, they have lost. Let me just say that again. They have lost every game by at least eight points the entire year. And this game, Sam Darnold again got injured. So it's going to be Joe Flacco. Flacco's terrible. He's a stick in the pocket. Anybody can sack him. 
Bill Belichick is going to scheme. And and okay, let's talk Patriots just for a second here. Um, Belichick is kind of putting the white flag up. He's saying, you know, hey, look, we're two and five. We don't have the horses. We just like, we're so sad. You know what this reminds me of? If you're a Star Wars fan, you've seen that scene where like Palpatine's just like, I'm too weak. And then like, he's like unlimited power. And he like, you know, just rises back up. Anyway, my point in this is Belichick is playing this sad card of like, oh, we're just not good enough to compete. We went all in for the Super Bowl these past few years. And, you know, we just don't have the players anymore. And we're just not good enough. And he's just playing the sad sack routine. This is a charade. I'm not trying to say, yeah, yeah, the Patriots tried to unload uh, Stephon Gilmore at the trade deadline and different things. And yeah, they're not going to win the Super Bowl this year, but they are still a darn good football team. And Belichick is still a darn good coach. And you are going to see uh, that play out here in this Monday night football matchup. I think Cam Newton was injured. I think something was going on with his hand or his arm or COVID or whatever it was that was happening with Cam, but he's looking better. He looked better last week against Buffalo, and he will look even better uh, this week against the Jets. It's true. The Patriots have no offensive weapons, but you know what they're going to do? They're going to run the ball. That's what the Patriots do, especially against bad teams that just traded away their top middle linebacker, Avery Williamson's out of town. So... You know, Damian Harris and Cam Newton, they're going to run the ball. And offensively, how are the Jets going to score? When when have they ever had success scoring this year at any point? So I just, and especially against this Patriots team who, yeah, they had a lot of opt-outs. They're missing a lot of guys. And yet they've played good defense all year long. So in this one, again, the Jets have lost every game by at least eight points in this one. The Patriots are favored by seven and a half points. So think about that for a second. Patriots favored by seven and a half. The Jets have lost every game by at least eight points. So while I don't think New England's spectacular on offense, I think that the Jets are so awful on uh, on their offense that New England will easily win this one. We're going to go Patriots 19, Jets 6, and that is all of our picks for the week. So... Uh, Let's hit on 10 quick guys in fantasy who I expect to have solid weeks. This just means I think they're going to have a better week than what the projections are stating. Uh, Let's start with Cam Newton. Cam Newton, he's going to run the ball against the Jets, uh, no doubt about it. And Cam is looking healthier. I think he's a solid play for this week. How about Drew Locke against the Falcons? Uh, Drew Locke looked amazing in the fourth quarter last week. Uh, the Falcons' defense leaves a lot to be desired. I think Locke can have a really solid week. Chase Edmonds against the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins' defense is very good. It's just that Edmonds is going to get tons of opportunities, and I think you're going to see him shine. DeAndre Swift against the Vikings. Uh, with Chase Daniel starting at quarterback, you really expect uh, Matt Patricia to lean towards a, a, a game plan that puts the ball in the hands of one of their only playmakers and DeAndre Swift. So hopefully he gets some carries that way. But as well, you expect Chase Daniel to use DeAndre Swift in the passing game since Minnesota will probably have a healthy lead and they will need to, the Lions are going to need to pass the ball a lot. Uh, Damian Harris against the New York Jets. Again, uh, Belichick's game plan here is going to be to run the ball a lot and Damian Harris should get plenty of opportunities to do that. Let's take uh, Jerry Judy 
as a, as a nice candidate to have a good week against that uh, Atlanta secondary that hasn't been so good. Uh, Drew Locke and Jerry Judy starting to develop more and more of a connection. Um, I, I'll say LaVisca Chenault has a decent week this week. Not a huge week, but a decent week uh, considering a couple things. Um, with Jake Luton at quarterback, I believe that you'll see Chenault uh, get some short passes directed his way because he's one of those run after the catch kind of guys as well. I would think you would game plan to get Chenault quite a few carries, um, on end arounds and that sort of thing in order to get the ball in the hands of your playmakers. Kind of the same logic we have with Deandre Swift. How about Robbie Anderson versus the Kansas city chiefs? Teddy Bridgewater is going to be in comeback mode because the chiefs are going to be up big. He's going to look for his huge outside receiver, Robbie Anderson, and you will think he would cash that in. Uh, Irv Smith Jr. against the Detroit Lions. Uh, I think that Vikings tight ends will have a big day against the subpar linebackers who uh, the Lions are now missing Jared Davis as well because he's on the COVID list. So I will I think you'll see a, a nice performance there from Irv Smith Jr. And finally, we'll just uh, put a word out there for the Houston defense against Jacksonville. Again, I just don't think Jake Luton is an NFL quarterback. And so you've got the Houston defense, which has been much maligned, hasn't played good all year long in many ways, uh, but they're going up against a truly awful quarterback, likely. Um, And I think you'll see him get a lot of pressure and probably force some turnovers. So the Houston Texans defense is a nice play this week. That is going to do it. Thank you so much for listening. You all are amazing. If you stuck around this long in the podcast, thank you for sticking with me through some losing weeks. We're going to get some winning weeks coming up, hopefully starting with this week. This has been the NFL Picks with Gabe podcast and everything burrito production. You all have a great day.